Simon Robinson here uh, again, and uh, with me again is David Silito. Hello again. Hi, David. How are you? I am very well, thank you. How, how have you been since we recorded the last podcast? Oh, oh, there's been so many changes. <laughs> um, but um, non-stop action, hasn't it? Non-stop action. Yeah. And um, we've been out and about again, haven't we? We've been traveling down to various places. That, that London town and oh, well, Redditch again, yeah. a bit of a training on, on employment law. And the, you know what? The people who we've delivered the training um, to loved it, haven't they? Loved it, and more importantly, loved us. Loved us. <laughs> and uh, we have to give people a warning, don't we, dear, not to fall in love with this. We do, actually. Um, yeah, because... we, we set out the, the ground rules clearly at the start. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And one of them is not falling in love with us. People at the beginning, they laugh as if that's just not going to happen. Then by the end of it, you can see... Mm. whether it's love or, or boredom i don't know i assume love mm. their eyes glaze over <laughs> and um and uh, and something doesn't seem quite so stupid does it dave no exactly, the, uh, exactly. and you know it's a warning we've had to give from experience isn't it yeah. you know experience where we've thought that if we probably didn't give the warning then people would probably fall in love with us and that just makes it awkward we don't know whether it's happened or not no just damages has. damages the client relationship we yeah, yeah. Fall in love with us it's easily done isn't it <laughs> So, um, what are we talking about this week, Dave? Talking about the case of Mrs. Dummigan yeah. uh, against the Mount School Limited. Ooh. So, this case was in the news. Yes. And uh, the school got a lot of criticism because they dismissed this lady uh, when she um, declined uh, to attend a meeting on her day off. Mm. Uh, and the reason she'd... Um, said she was unable well the reason she was unable to attend the meeting was that she was due to attend a, uh, a meeting with other members of her family to discuss the care of her elderly mother who'd recently been diagnosed mm. with cancer so um not a good look for the school there in the headlines in the press no okay yes the headlines were i think were teacher sacked for missing a staff meeting yeah yeah uh, that was one of the headlines yeah um, so should we should we just talk about that then? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's unfair dismissal yeah. and wrongful dismissal claim, so relatively straightforward. Mm-hmm. One point that I thought was notable was that the school were unrepresented mm-hmm. and were represented, in inverted commas, at the hearing by a director of the school. So I wonder if, had they invested in a little bit of advice mm. early on mm. having received the claim mm. uh, then they could have avoided the adverse publicity uh, and avoided a, a negative uh, tribunal judgment against them but uh i mean who am i to say that no well i mean uh, i mean obviously people will think that you're saying that because you're you know keen to get the work which is true obviously but at the same time and i'm not talking about this respondent but respondents who generally try and save costs by not getting professional legal advice from regulated solicitors and trying to get on the cheap from elsewhere or not at all and um, very often find that, that penny wise it uh, becomes pound foolish indeed um, indeed very uh very wise very wise thank you but mm. you, you know let's just say you're very handsome <laughs> so i think that's appropriate yeah yeah um, yeah well i should cancel myself um, <laughs> yeah. so um so there we go so yes as, as you as you rightly as you rightly said um Dave, what had happened was um that this um this chap mr sellers who it looks like i think was maybe the guy who was who 
defended it on the on the day. No relation to Peter, as far as I'm aware. But no, I believe um, so. But uh, uh, he it was on a Saturday, and he sent an email advising all members of staff to attend a meeting on the Monday at 1.40 at the school, or time, I don't know, like half one, but... Um, 1.40, yeah. yeah, very precise. But, um, yeah. Um, but anyway, the claimant said to him, well, I'm unable to attend, um, as she was uh, seeing her sister, who was travelling from a distance, um, and she was also seeing other family members, and as Dave says, we were discussing treatment and care of her 90-year-old uh, um, mother, who'd been diagnosed with cancer, and the ga gathering had been planned uh, for a while, um, with with the claimant being unable to to arrange this at such short notice, and uh, now it's fair to say that the claimant didn't advise Mr. Sellers of the importance of her um, family gathering, but similarly, I don't think he advised the staff of the importance of the meeting. He's told her that the the meeting was not optional, and she was required to attend for one hour. She said she was unable to attend. He again stated by email that the meeting was not optional, and then uh, the following day she responded to him by email and said that she was not free. And uh, was therefore unable to attend the meeting. And then he ill-advised and sent the meeting stating resignation accepted, mm. uh, which was a, a, an odd response. Uh, she said, well, I'm not resigned. And he said, um, uh, well, thanks for clearing up any avoidance of doubt and went on to inform her that the email was formal notice that her employment was to cease. Yeah, so just a point on, on that. Uh, now, um, this isn't what happened here, ultimately, because she said, well, I haven't resigned. And he said, well, essentially, you're dismissed anyway. Uh, had he taken her um, refusal to attend the meeting as a resignation, then um, that would have been, in fact, in itself a dismissal because accepting an ambiguous notice of resignation as a, as a resignation um, will amount to a dismissal unless you first clarify with that employee that they do intend mm. to resign mm. and therefore it, it then becomes an unambiguous mm. notice of, of resignation. So um, I don't think any reasonable person would take a simple um, uh, communication that you're not going to be attending a meeting as uh, an unambiguous or ambiguous notice of, of resignation. No. But here, that's what he did. He said, well, I'm taking that as you you resigning. That would have been a dismissal and uh, would have put them in probably um, no better nor worse a position than they were ultimately. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you are on the back foot as a, as a respondent if you have accepted an uh, an ambiguous notice of resignation as a resignation and then the employee later says, well, I, I didn't want to um, resign. Yeah. And you've then got to find your fair reason for dismissal, say you followed a fair process uh, and uh, that can be difficult. Yeah, and don't say... Don't say, oh, I was acting reasonably because everyone thinks they act reasonably. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not for you to say whether you're reasonable or not. A judge will decide you're reasonable. So a good rule of thumb is to just, is to have a in your head a judge in the room with you when you're making these decisions um, or writing emails. Or even better, and this is a wacky idea, Dave, is speak to an employment solicitor before you make yeah. a decision. Yeah. Um, and um, and uh, we're not there to stop you doing what you want with your business, but we are there to advise you of the, the law and the risks of proceeding in a way which... Um, which may get you in, um, to use a legal term, hot water. Yeah. Um, so there you go. I've got a bit quick there, but if uh, I said anyone wants to do anything more about this hot water, yeah. as I speak, <laughs> email me. Hot water principle. Hot water principle, exactly yeah. right. So then so um, there was a background, wasn't there? The yeah. tribunal said to yeah. the events, which was um, not really that significant, but uh, the tribunal covered it anyway and said the respondent had been keen for the claimant to take up her employment on a self-employed basis, yeah. given that she'd been having time off and the respondent wanted to allow her to manage her outside interests, which include a gin-making business. 
And Mr. Sellers described... Like Ryan Reynolds. Yes, very much yeah. like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Sellers described the claim as one of the most difficult members of staff uh, to have worked with over four years. That's a quote. Oh. Uh, so that's why it doesn't read particularly well. So um, the respondent uh, had a disciplinary and conduct policy, as the tribunal pointed out. And one of the things that that said was that failure to comply with reasonable instructions from senior staff is considered to constitute misconduct, mm -hmm. notably not gross misconduct. And that's um, one of the issues that might have been flagged had they taken advice from a solicitor at the time. Because if you as an employer have a policy that sets out certain standards of behaviour, conduct, and sets out the consequences of departing mm. from those standards, then um, you will be held to those standards that you have set yeah. as the employer. And here, they had clearly set the standard to say that if you fail to comply with a reasonable instruction from management, that will be misconduct and not gross misconduct. What do you always say about what's worse than... I do always yeah. say it, don't yeah. I? Um, yeah. The only thing worse than not having a policy is having a policy and then not reading it or uh, applying it properly, mm. because you will be held to the standards that you've set yourself uh, in that uh, policy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, obviously the the expected consequence of a misconduct finding is is not dismissal. So that was uh, probably the first, but only the first of many areas where the employer went wrong mm. here in this case. I think it's worse when when the sky breaks down and you're watching a football match. But we've all got our own things. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so there you go. So, um, so, um, what the judge did then was, you love this, Dave. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he, uh, he or she uh, applied the law to the facts. Yeah, wacky. And came to a conclusion. What a wacky approach. Yeah, wacky, wacky, wacky. So, um, anyway, so um, the judge said, well, uh, uh, the um, the Mr. Sellers decided to dismiss the claimant following her refusal to attend. A staff meeting, and then he looked at whether there'd been a, a, a reasonableness in the investigation and a reasonableness of the grounds for believing misconduct. And, the, and he said that all overlaps. I'm going to consider them together. So he said he found that a reasonable investigation did not take place. Mr. Sellers did not carry out an investigation and accepts he did not hold a formal disciplinary process before dismissing the claimant. Um, in his own evidence, Mr. Sellers did not think an investigation or hearing was necessary. Again, a solicitor would have probably told him quite, quite different. Um, obviously, the claimant was unable to give her version of events. And the judge says, I've borne in mind that the claimant refused to attend the staff meeting. However, it remains that a reasonable investigation was paramount prior to reaching an outcome. Mr. Sellers did not explain to the claimant what the meeting was about. He maintains that the subject matter was confidential as it related to safeguarding concerns. And I found that the claimant would have been unaware of the importance of the meeting and the fact that it related to a serious safeguarding concern. The claimant was deprived of the opportunity to present her version of events and any mitigating, any mitigating factors for the respondent to consider prior to making um, a, a decision. Mr. Sellers stated that he did not confer or discuss uh, the matter with anyone else as, quotes, I am the employer, the person that pays your wages, I'm top of the line manager, uh, close quotes, as well as stating, I've had enough of playing games. Uh, close quotes, um, and anyone who's had family around at Christmas no doubt shares that sentiment, but it's a different context. I mean, that, again, that's that's a quote, isn't it? And worth yeah. bearing in mind, he would have been answering questions from the claimant at that time. Yes. I am the employer, the person that pays your wages. But the uh, approach to his evidence appears to be, uh, well, less than ideal 
yeah. shall we say, and will yeah. not have created a positive impression in the eyes of the tribunal. No, indeed, the tribunal said, I find that Mr Sellers has made his mind up about dismissing the claimant without ascertaining the facts regarding her refusal to attend the meeting by way of an investigation meeting. In fact, in his evidence stated precisely that the claimant would still have been dismissed if an investigation had been carried out. That's called predetermination, <laughs> isn't it, David? Yes. Um, and when it was put to Mr Sellers if he had considered alternative sanctions to dismissal, he stated it had gone past that point. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury uh, listening to this, it has never gone past that point, even when it's gross misconduct that you're alleging, um, uh, do consider alternative sanctions. Yeah, indeed. Um, indeed. And uh, the judge says, well, I, I, uh, I find that the gone past that point comment emphasised that he was intent on um, dismissing the claimant and because... And, and again, sorry, just, just to point out there, what will not have endeared him mm. in the eyes of the tribunal mm. is the fact that he was saying, well, even had he known mm. for the, re the reason why she was unable to attend the meeting that day, which yeah. was the care of her elderly mother, yeah. and a long planned meeting to discuss that. That was her day off. Yeah, on her day off, on her day off he yeah. would still have uh, dismissed her. Yeah, um, and um, the judge says, not to all of any alternative to dismissal, and it was um, that were considered by the respondent, which was unreasonable. Um, like things like a final written warning, although arguably it, it wasn't a reasonable instruction to ask to come in on the Monday in the circumstance anyway, but we never got to that. Um, and then um, the judge makes the point that none of the matters were corrected in the appeal, quite simply because no appeal took place. And then the judge went on to consider, and you'll hear this in Dave's dulcet tones, um, whether there was any uh, pulky reduction or um, contributory fault uh, reduction. Yes, indeed. So, uh, yeah, so the tribunal having found that dismissal was wholly unreasonable and not within the range of reasonable responses, went on to consider because the respondent had um, made those arguments. I don't know how they were aware that they were arguments that could have been in theory run. Uh, in practice, I think they were arguments that probably shouldn't even have been sensibly run in this case. Mm. But the arguments were that the claimant would have been dismissed anyway had a fair procedure been followed. And secondly, that the claimant had contributed to her own dismissal by way of her own culpable and blameworthy conduct. Mm. Uh, shorthand for that is contributory conduct. Mm. And the uh, tribunal decided against the respondent on both of those arguments. They said there was no chance that the claimant would have been fairly dismissed. I think listeners will probably agree that that was an entirely expected finding there from the the, the tribunal, so no chance she would have been dismissed had a fair procedure been followed. And um, in relation to culpable conduct, they said that whilst the claimant refused to attend the meeting, I do not find her conduct to be culpable or blameworthy, taking into consideration the points set out above. So that's the reason for the meeting and the fact the meeting that she was attending and the fact that the meeting that uh, she was um, asked to attend haven't been fully explained to her. Okay, now we then, thank you, have had the remedy judgment which came out uh, uh, last month and the claimant, Mrs. Dummigan, Mrs. Dummigan, it says in the remedy judgment, the judgment of the tribunal is that the respondent is ordered to pay the claimant the following amounts in relation to his unfair dismissal. A lot of attention to detail there within that judgment. Um, but the uh, judgment was a basic award of £7,812 and zero pence a compensatory award of £8,990.31 
pence. And how was that made up of that compensatory award? Loss of earnings of £6,692.25, pence. loss of statutory rights £500, and then a 25% uplift for the respondent's unreasonable failure to follow the ACAS code. Yep. And that 25% is the maximum uplift that a tribunal can make for failure to comply with the ACAS code and was, in my humble opinion, entirely appropriate here given the complete lack of a procedure, including any appeal. Mm. And what so was the total award? It was six. £16,802.31. That basic award was quite high um, and, and it didn't really... Uh, her length of service wasn't really a significant factor in the case, given all the other failures, but she had been employed since, was it 1997? Mm. So, you know, for her to be dismissed for that single failure to follow an instruction to attend a meeting on a day off um, is uh, not surprisingly... Uh, was not surprisingly found by the tribunal to have been very unreasonable. There you go. Rightly said, Dave. So um, another great tip from us. I know we like to review ourselves, but yeah. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah, Five lost. stars. Yeah, not enough stars. Not enough stars in the world. <laughs> in the whole universe, there's not enough stars to give ourselves no. for these podcasts. No. Um, and hopefully you, listener or two, yeah. agree. You're, yeah, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, we always try and think of what you might be doing when you're, yeah. when you're listening to this. Perhaps you're, yeah. perhaps you're you know, in a, in a, in a, in a garage you're, prepare, you're repairing a car or something, or maybe you're in an office mm. and um, and uh, you, you've got a full blast and you and your HR colleagues are all like learning and laughing. That's yeah. really what we, hopefully at the right place. we like to think. And any advertisers who'd like to advertise, you know, mm. then let, just let us know info at robertsonralph.com because yes. this is one of the most popular um, yeah. podcasts by employment solicitors based in Leeds yeah, yeah, yeah I mean don't check that out with with, with like research or anything just assume it's just, it's true because we haven't checked it out so we're not we're not actually lying it's possibly true mm, it's possibly true um yeah so so I think that's all right isn't it yeah 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 that'd be fine so on that bombshell and thanks again Dave thank you very much Simon um, I very much enjoyed this podcast <laughs> I very much enjoyed you <laughs> which is what you always say <laughs> enjoy Dave he's here to be enjoyed exactly so uh, there you go. Um, enjoy whatever you're doing, everybody. Unless, again, you're a nemesis, in which case I really hope you're having a rotten time of it. Other than that, um, bye. See you next time. Bye.